conferences, long agendas, big venues, always on your feet, barely getting to see the people that you want to see, and then, of course, the expense. Well, the three of us at Good Morning Hospitality are launching Good Morning Retreats. Our first retreat is this July 8th through the 10th at the Horse Hospitality Training School in Auburn, Alabama. If you go to goodmorningretreats.com, you'll find out more information about our first retreat that we're launching. We have already filled half the slots. We have 20 available and we have about 13 already filled. So make sure you go there, you apply, show your interest, and we'll get you all situated for our first ever Good Morning Retreat. Thanks so much for tuning into the podcast. And now back to the episode. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Happy Monday. Another Happy beautiful Monday. day. It's the best day of the week, according to Michael Golden. Always is, always will be. <laughs> and it's a holiday, so. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. Happy unless it's off, a, everybody. <laughs> yeah. Happy Labor Day. Unless it's a big five, I usually don't take it off. So I usually stick We have to, to talk that. about that work life balance. Well, yeah. Hey, I take the big five off. That's all that matters. That's you know, <laughs> the important ones. Um, it's just a normal Monday here on Good Morning Hospitality. Um, awesome. Well, Brandy, we're so excited to see you again. Uh, yeah, it's, it's not so the same without back. you. Yeah, it's just not the same. You and Jamie just add that that slice of flair to the show that we need. Well, I'm, the- maybe I'll sneak in another episode during the month. Hey. We'll take, uh, we'll take a, it. A guest guest. Love it. A guest, a guest. <laughs> Awesome. Well, uh, what did we cover last week? I'm actually kind of drawing a blank because it's been a crazy week. Oh, yeah. We covered, like, I was at a conference, all the other crap. That Six or seven that. topics. A lot of M&A. Yeah. Yep. Some acquisitions. Some fundraises. Money's out there if you have a sound business. Amen. There's- VCs are sitting on more dry powder now than ever in history, like $500 billion in cash. So if you have a sound business, you can go get it. There we go. That's a good summary. Good summary. Um, Yeah, it's just been a crazy week. So excited to jump in because we're going to cover a couple topics based around like, I don't know, I think we've covered it in the last few weeks, a few times just because of the articles we've seen, but this whole co-living movement where we're seeing shift and happen um and then a couple of things with google and then of course we're going to put brandy on the spot um to talk about some airbnb changes with uh enterprise clients so um you know lots to look forward to in this episode if you're if you're listening or driving or watching us live 
Um, just a couple heads up and a couple shout outs. If you want to be mentioned in episodes in the future, you can text us on our texting line, 720-807-3367. We'll feature your questions and comments on the show. And then also one shout out to our most frequent listener, uh, Carl Travis, who's always posting our episodes plus episodes in the hospitality FM sphere uh, that he listens to throughout the shows. So I want to just give those couple of shout outs before we, we jumped in uh, because, you know, we got, we got to do the plug. Uh, Michael, how about you take it away? Let's uh, let's jump in on the big topic at hand. Um, co-living. What's uh, what's going on? What's happening? Co-living. This has been a buzzword for at least five years. Um, there's a big splash and then it kind of fades away and then another big splash and it kind of fades away. Uh, pre-show, we were kind of talking about how cool it is in concept to be able to travel wherever, stay for a couple months, have roommates, split costs. But in reality, you're paying in some cases more money than just getting your own place. Um, so it's really for those that have the financial ability to pay a little bit more for a fully furnished unit walking in with roommates and the flexibility of living, kind of being able to pick up your bags and, and move from place to place. There's just not, in my mind, that's not the mass market. It, it sounds great, but you're, you're really threading the needle there between a young professional who might not have 1500 bucks, 2000 bucks a month to, to spend on a room with someone who's older that has a little more financial security and might purchase their own condo or house. Um, you know, if I was 25 with, you know, making good money and, and able to work from wherever, it's a really cool concept. I like it, but mm-hmm. you know, how many people are in that position? Yeah. Well, and Brandy and I both were on the same page of like, you know, it's great to be able to go travel. I'm moving into like, this is the last time you'll see this type of setup for me on the live studio, but is, you know, moving into this place where there is co-living as an option is not as affordable as a lot of people would think. Like for a three bedroom, if you're getting three bedrooms and then you're sharing a kitchen, living room space, you're paying 1200 plus for that one bedroom and shared space. It's not like you get, your own sectioned off area. Um, and so for, I don't know, I just think 1200 for that, especially with strangers, right? Like if you're co-living, no one, I don't think is any, I don't think any of these companies have perfected like a matchmaking service, right? Where it's like, how do you give you a good roommate? Because that's my biggest fear. If I were to move into a co-work or a co-living space, I'd be partnered up with some weirdo or some like super neat freak. And on my days I'm being lazy, I'm going to get, you know, the finger pointed at me all, all day long of you need to go do your freaking whatever, like whatever. Um, you know, that's not an enjoyable living situation. I don't know. Whatever, whatever Whatever the freaking, whatever the day or whatever, you know? Yeah. You need like a massive questionnaire and personality matches, uh, sleeping habits, like, you know, there's lifestyle. They're loud. They're assuming people don't lie. (laughs) Yeah. You know, like when, when we were like, five years ago, we, one of my roommates left and our condition was like, he had to go and find us like a 
candidate pool of people to interview. And we interviewed several different people, like what they're, you know, actually brought them in, looked at their resumes, like talked about their lifestyles, what they're, you know, all of that. And then ended up choosing a roommate who we've now lived with for five years. But like, you're not going to get that if in this kind of building, you're just going to get matched. And so, I mean, I think, uh, you know, Michael, you're right. It's definitely for a very particular type of person. And I think it sounds great in theory when you have all these community things and events and there's a keg and like, I just don't know how, (laughs) like how appealing that is in your day-to-day life. Like when you're working your, you know, your normal job and living in your normal life. Yeah. I mean, quite frankly, I'd rather live in a building that allowed me to drop my keys off at the front desk if I was going to be gone for a month and make my rent back or, or maybe more. Um, and there's, there's buildings that are out there. Uh, so I think, you know, back to Airbnb, I think, yeah, they've got a better solution than, than some of the co-living concepts because the reality is people have stuff and, Mm -hmm. I've, I've lived out of a suitcase for six plus months, multiple times in my life. And it's tiresome. (laughs) You wear a lot of the same stuff over and over again. (laughs) Um, But it's nice to have, you know, a place to go that's home and it has a wall of books in the background. Yeah. Moving this will be a real pain. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So that's stuff you can't just like pick up and go with all the time, every month, every few months. So I think, I think the best solution if you're a digital nomad is to sign a lease in the building that allows you to short-term rent and leave your keys at the front desk when you want to be gone for a month, two months, six months. Um, yeah. And I think there's also obviously like co I'm assuming short for communal, but like real communal living is like you all work together to take care of the house or the compound or, you know, wherever it is that you are living. And that has a much more like, I think grounded, you know, theme to it, but it's, and it's usually like families and things like that. And this is just kind of, you know, urban yuppie living. Um, yeah for lack of better words. And I'm sure that there are people that really like it, but I mean, you're just seeing building after building going up around the States and in Europe. And it's like, do you really have that many people or are these just going to be normal apartments that people are living in? Yeah. Digital nomads don't often go to New York city. They go to Puerto Rico or to the Azores, right? Mm -hmm. Like they're, they're going to exotic remote, cheap places not spending two grand a month on an extra room. Um, exactly. So, yeah, I mean, in theory, it's a cool concept, especially if you're moving to a new city, you don't know anybody, pop in, get some roommates. But if you don't even get to kind of meet your roommates beforehand and you just get assigned yeah. to room six, show eight, up. Like, yeah. Hey, it could work out, right? You know, it's all a personality. <laughs> Some people can get along with everybody. Some people can't get along with anybody. And I'm afraid those are the two kind of profiles that would be using co-living. 
Yeah. yeah. You know, it, all this kind of reminds me when I was in college, the sharing economy was kind of the buzzword that was going around and that whole concept that we would just create this circular economy where you would just rent things. And I mean, that was how Airbnb was pitched originally. And that was the plan. I did a whole thesis on how Airbnb was going to like revolutionize the sharing economy. Um, didn't pan out exactly <laughs> like that. Um, but I think it's kind of the same concept where you have this, I mean, really nice sounding theory about how we can build more community ties and you can find a place even if you're new or if you're traveling. And But, you know, just how that actually pans out. I mean, have you guys seen the WeWork documentary on the oh, We yeah. Live section? So, Could you imagine? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but they loved it. They loved the We Live <sighs> concept. And it was yeah. more communal, right? You'd have your own room, but then it'd be just, you know, there's 20 rooms and then a massive communal space. Um, there's there's some companies, there's one called Outsight, shout out Emmanuel, um, that has some in like Puerto Rico and in mm-hmm. uh, Costa Rica and lesser expensive parts of the world where they're getting a big mansion, renting out rooms, and you just all kind of more of a true communal feel than literally just rebranding the, the word roommate with co-living. Exactly, yeah. So th- they aren't all the same, but the ones that are raising the insane mass amounts of money are more like roommate farms than... Uh, <laughs> roommate mills. <laughs> roommate mills than, uh, than travel companies. And yeah. I just, we, do you see the room, the term like disruption, disruption going along with some of these articles? And it's like, I don't, roommates are not revolutionary. Like just. No. <laughs> it's it's revolutionary to, to charge a premium to be assigned a roommate. That is revolutionary. That is, yeah. <laughs> this is the first time in history where they're making an arm and a leg based on not matching people <laughs> to live together. So not having great. privacy. Yeah. See, that's what I was going to say is like, I'm willing, like the, the reason why I picked the building I'm moving to is because the amenities, right? Like I have that option to go work out in this huge gym, to have a restaurant, a co-working space, like all this other stuff. But I'm living in my own apartment where I can have my quiet. And like I'm a, I give, I, I don't give, I get my energy from social interaction, but I definitely need my time away. So I could, I don't think I could actually do a co-living, you know, roommate farm or mill uh, type scenario because at the end of the day I think people whether you're extrovert or introvert you're gonna need that time away and if you never get that you're more or less gonna be depleted of all of your energy uh, than you would in any other scenario so I mean you can always I go think, into your room to be fair yeah yeah a tiny little room just to sit there on your bed and be like wow I really am getting so much rest right now <laughs> talk, talk yeah. to the 10 million people in New York City during COVID right like yeah well that's <laughs> that's a whole another breed locked in for <laughs> year that's a whole Uh, different breed of of living i can never do it yeah uh so we've mentioned airbnb a few times brandy um (laughs) we we got an interesting email this week and i say we um (laughs) a a lot of professional managers across the country got got this email uh will you elaborate a little bit and and maybe what it means to you guys and and likely our listeners yeah and it was funny when i sent you guys this text a couple days ago like the i was just like literally in my chair just having a conniption but um, (laughs) 
So um, there, a couple months ago, maybe two months ago, something like that, they changed from you having your own like account rep for it as an enterprise client to um, you had a rep, but you would email like a general email and it would go to their inbox. But the same person, the same guy has been emailing me back. I've been able to like organize calls with him. It really hasn't been that big of a change. And then I got this email that now all requests have to go in through a form. And it says like on the top, it's like for enterprise clients. And it's essentially a Google form. I mean, obviously it's done through whatever software they're doing, but then you can select like the topic and, and then it says it will be answered within two to three business days. And I was like, I, I could Just checking in right now. No. Like, yeah. Let's wait two or know, three business days. We'll solve it. A hundred of our listings just went offline and we can't figure out why. And so um, I immediately sent like replied back to the email sent in a form and my account manager was like don't worry like it doesn't really take that long and you know it's not it's not his fault uh, and none of you yeah. know obviously he's not yeah. the one making any of these changes but to me it's you know across all the OTAs regardless of size we have an account manager especially when you're our size and the amount of revenue that we do each month through Airbnb. And I know that people that listen to this are some people are maybe doing more than Sexton is and maybe significantly less, but you're, you know, we're bringing in a pretty decent chunk. And so are a lot of other managers like us. So to not have a point of contact that you can reliably communicate with is it's just such a downgrade in the type of service. And so, and you know, there are, they, there are some issues that really do like, I want to be able to put in like, this is urgent, you know, 200 of our listings in new Orleans just went down and we can't figure out why, like I want your response immediately, or there's a serious guest issue that really, you know, and I understand they're maybe trying to like streamline the process, but it feels like, you know, with, as time goes on, the guests are getting more things that improve the guest experience, which is great. You know, I use Airbnb as a traveler. That's awesome. But then, like um, the uh, in opposition to that, all of the things provided to hosts just keep getting either worse quality or things are being taken away or it's becoming more difficult. So it just I like I really don't want to have this kind this kind of like emotion towards Airbnb, but it feels like we're just getting like hit from all sides. And especially mm -hmm. when you look at a revenue perspective, I mean, nothing's going to push people to try to take their money someplace else than to continue to downgrade the quality of service that you're getting. It's like, why am I paying you all these commission fees if I can't even like, you know, send an email to an account rep, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Compare that. I know a lot of people rely purely on Airbnb. So mm -hmm. you guys are on Verbo, right? We're on Verbo. We're on pretty much every platform. Compare the experience between Airbnb and Verbo. Yeah, so there was definitely a like a change when Expedia bought Verbo slash Homeaway, um, and there was it was kind of rocky, but which is understandable during that kind of transition. But we have an Expedia and Verbo rep; they're two separate people, and very responsive. If um, our Verbo rep is getting married. Congratulations, Aaron. And uh, so she <laughs> like in her email, there's like all the people that you can contact and, you know, you will get a response. And so 
same with booking.com. Like we really rarely, like, and to be fair, like we really rarely have to contact our account managers. It's only if something is like really going wrong. And that's when you don't want to wait two or three days for a response. It's like, this really needs your attention now. Um, and okay. so, yeah, definitely. I would say all the other OTAs, we have one, like one point of contact. And then if that ever changes, there's a handover, you know, it's done. There's a little bit more personal feel, you know, it feels like mm -hmm. a little bit more respectful given the amount of money that we're bringing in. Well, I wanted to it, go ahead. So Airbnb is a two-sided marketplace, right? So mm -hmm. it's very obvious they treat the host significantly better than uh, the, the property owner, manager, whatever. Sorry. They treat the guest better than the host, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. There we go. How um, you guys more or less are a, a two-sided marketplace too, right? You, you have buildings that are your clients and you also have guests that are clients. How do you guys treat the buildings? Would you ever imagine sending them to a form and Oh like, my God. No. Oh. To here? So, you know, this is our owner relation management is similar, but different than maybe obviously traditional VRs. Like you're, we're not dealing with all these individual homeowners, but you're dealing with bigger landlords, which, you know, sometimes it's even more difficult. You're having, you know, some, some of them don't care. It's like send me a wire once a month. Some of them want to go through like every single charge. So um, yeah, but we would never, we have an entire, like we have an owner relations team that makes sure that, you know, whatever level of communication or handholding or lack of handholding that our landlords want, that that's what they're getting. Um, mm -hmm. And our guests, I mean, we are trying, we try to be, we're available 24 seven. We're obviously very available to our guests. We're trying to treat everybody in our ecosystem well, because that is a reflection of our business. And if we, you know, if we're rude or, you know, if we're not good partners to our landlords, then maybe they don't renew our lease or maybe, you know, if something, you know, the, the relationship breaks down. So. Yeah. When you've got a two-sided marketplace, booking.com ran into this, right? They, they've got the largest hospitality brand in the world. Um, Airbnb is huge in America, but Booking's bigger in Europe uh, and really the rest of the world. But Booking didn't do homes <clears throat> in the U.S. very well. They had a lot of fraud. They had a lot of uh, Still do. <laughs> payment issues. Yeah, and people delist as a result of that. And when people delist, there's less options. When there's less options, there's less travelers. And it's just this spiral that it's hard to pull yourself out of. Airbnb seems like they might be heading towards this. Like every decision they make is so one-sided that the, the host property managers just feel slighted. And yeah. at some point, hosts are going to start pulling off or, or well, blocking their calendars, sending them elsewhere. I was going to say yeah. it's definitely, oh, sorry. Go ahead. I'll let, oh, no, I was just like the, the uh, <laughs> sorry, I'm on like a real, real tear. Um, <laughs> the, uh, you know, I think part of the thing that they're fighting, they're coming up against is that some people are having these really negative experiences with hosts that aren't professional or maybe aren't, you know, just aren't good hosts. And there certainly are, there's, you know, thousands and thousands of hosts. So, mm. but if you start to treat the, the people who are contributing huge blocks of your inventory, if you start treating them poorly and they're trying, they're like, okay, let's make sure that our, let's really work on direct booking or let's put more, you know, let's put every OTA possible, you know, put our inventory everywhere. 
then you're going to have more of the bad quality hosts taking up more of the space, right? And then the problems are just like Michael, you're saying, they're just going to compound. And I mean, I don't, I do not see a world in the near future where we take things off of Airbnb. It is, like you said, in the States, it is just like, that's where, I mean, that's where I go to book my yeah. travel most of the time, but it does like, it does make you want to focus your energy on like, you know, it's right now it's a necessary platform, but what can we do to just lessen that? And it makes you, you know, really want to put more effort behind it. Yeah. I was going to say exactly what Brandy said basically is like a, a lot of hosts, what are like, whether they're individual hosts of like one or two units to, you know, 50, 100 plus, you know, they're, they're realizing the reliance, like, I don't know, the, the, behind the scenes, I've had many conversations with people. It's like the more and more people get into the space and see changes like this happen with Airbnb or companies like Airbnb, they're realizing like they are not in control of their business at all um, to the point where like it's super, like it's becoming more and more conscious in front of mind on the like, book direct and just building out other relations that are too sided not one sided where airbnb is solely focused on the guest to actually going to providers whether they're as big or not um to actually make a two-way relationship work in order to take the reliance off of that platform so it's been very fun to watch yeah there's a, a question i love to ask people and before we move into that shout out book direct show this is what the whole topic is in uh in about a month and a half down in miami but i love to to float this by people and brandy you've probably heard this when we were all down at, at the event in miami uh, a couple years ago but if airbnb went away tomorrow what happens to your business oh it would be pretty devastating immediately for sure yeah but what are the steps right so like you've got millions of dollars wiped off right Mm -hmm. And then what? So, yeah, I think that in the in the short term, like tomorrow, pretty devastating in terms of cash flow. <laughs> um, but then, I mean, all of those, if it's obviously disappeared from the traveler side, so they're just going to go like, I don't really think the traveler cares at all, you know. And so it's like, OK, Verbo is still around. And I think Verbo is more synonymous with like your big single family homes. And so if that's what you're looking for, maybe you go there. Booking.com is becoming more popular. It'll, people will go to wherever the inventory is. And so, um, and then, you know, and then we're on all those platforms. So I think that, I mean, each platform does charge. I mean, everybody's charging commissions. Um, Expedia, I'm pretty sure is the most expensive. I think it's like 20, 20 to 25%. Um, yeah. So that's a lot. <laughs> yeah. um, but, you know, I think, I don't think there is, like there isn't real allegiance. It's not like, oh, I'm people love staying at, you know, the Marriott or one hotels or whatever it is. Like that's way more brand specific. And you, you know, people aren't, I don't think, saying like I have to stay at a Sonder. You know, they're mm -hmm. just going to where I'm like I'm going to Nashville. Here's how many people and whatever site pops up and has the best price. That's what I'm booking. So mm -hmm. yeah, immediately for us, cash flow would be pretty sad. Um, and then, you know, it would you know, correct itself probably very shortly thereafter when people figured out where they could book. Yeah. Or they would probably just find like if they had an existing reservation, I would think if Airbnb disappeared and you go to down, look at the app on your phone and you see it's not there or whatever, there's a notice mm -hmm. 
for every reservation that's ever existed to, to happen, um, immediately I'm pretty sure they would start looking, okay, like whatever this property is, they would go on to Google yep. and they would probably get refunded. Hopefully if Airbnb disappeared, they would actually get a refund yep. and then go rebook or try to do something in order to save that stay. I think more or less they wouldn't care about the platform. They would just care about saving the stay out of all things um, that would happen. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm thinking not like specifically that, but it's going to be a vacuum for who sucks up the rest. Mm -hmm. Right. I think it would be booking.com. Well, I I guess for my market, I wonder if something, yeah, true. I wonder if something like that pushes people to a company like D travel that's fully decentralized. So that thing like can't happen again. Right. Mm. Um, Yeah. I was going to say, I don't think anyone on the traveler side, no offense to D travel. Love you guys. But, I don't think any of the travelers really, unless they're into crypto and NFTs and all that other stuff. Like, I don't think any traveler, like my mom and dad would much route, like definitely no booking.com. They would not know what the heck to do on D travel or any platform like that. I mean, you can book a stay in Fiat on D travel as well. It's, it's another, it's a listing site, right? But something is going to come in and backfill Airbnb. Like sure. it wouldn't be fully distributed between booking and Expedia Verbo. Yeah, uh, or it could be the best thing for Hopper, but it could be, it could be the chance for professional managers to reset and say, we actually only want to work with professional managers. We don't want to advertise next to single hosts that are helping cause, you know, a lot of issues for trust and reliability. Um, so, I don't know. It's a it's a fun little exercise just to think yeah. through. Well. I also would just really, I would love this to be like a tur- like a turnaround story. I'd love this to be a good character arc for Airbnb. Like I, I as I've said, I totally understand from the, the improvements to the guest side of things. It's a lot of PR. And I mean, it has, I mean, it's not great for the hosts, a lot of these things, but I understand. It would just be great if they could also be, you know, okay, we're imposing these new rules. I mean, we weren't even told about them. So it's like, here's how, you know, just offering more support, you know, and turning that relationship around so that, you know, it is really a two-sided partnership. Like why, why anger your suppliers? (laughs) And Mm -hmm. like consistently there's just, so I'm hoping (laughs) (laughs) I would say that's the biggest difference I've realized from like the hotel world to the short-term rental world. Like when I worked for Marriott, any change that was going to like, whether you're an autograph collection was, which is independently owned and operated just under the flag. Um, or if you were actually like a courtyard or a residence in or anything like that, you would, if there was a change in anything, you would get a way like a six month notice and like everyone would be trained on it and everyone has to sign off that they were trained on it. Like understood that the changes were happening and when they were coming and how to like phrase it to guests, like short term rentals that we don't get that with anybody. And like, I, from my, from my, Michael, I don't even want to, I see the, the look on your face, but like from my side of things, like if you're really my, I don't know, my mindset's always hospitality, right? So like if you are in the hospitality business, I feel like that is like the proper procedure versus like Airbnb. I feel like they just feel like they can get away with it because they have the inventory or because well, they have the demand. Yeah. Go I don't ahead, know what you're about. Airbnb lets you make your own decisions like uh, guest cancellations during COVID. It's totally up to you, Will. What? <laughs> yes, sarcasm. <laughs> um, yeah, I, say, uh, uh, I think well, yeah. that's the thing is read the wrong articles. 
these that's the thing is that you're talking about hospitality companies and that's not how like these tech platforms they're tech platforms they're marketplaces that are offering the product of connecting hospitality they are not hospitality brands and so that like intrinsic nature of hospitality is not there it's like ease it's like good user interface can ease of connecting people you know that is the primary business it's not ho hospitality is just like is the product so i think that's where a lot of the disconnect comes from and also you know they don't really have to it's like these changes are being made and what like and what are you going to do about it? You know, it's, and yeah, that's, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So some big consultant probably came in and said, you're spending too much money on customer service, cut them all, make it automated, yeah. make it painful for hosts to, to even get responses. And that way they won't even reach out anymore. Uh, yeah. make, the, make the platform completely self-serve like Amazon. Well, Amazon's not completely self-serve, but Amazon's customer Mostly. service is actually fantastic. It is. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I was about Sorry. to say that. Sorry, Amazon. Yeah. <laughs> I urge back to that statement. Um, like an insurance company where it's just painful mm. to get your money back, right? So uh, that's my guess what happened. Some big consultant, they spent millions of dollars for them to tell them to cut all their customer service people. Well, I mean, there's, you know, the tech companies are going through, you know, huge cost cuts, hiring freezes, things like that. So, I mean, I, there are things that I always understand from the business perspective of what they're doing. It's just like, come on, you know, I, yeah. I, it just, if the same person is still answering this Google form that I'm filling out, like, why did we have to change it? <laughs> yeah. percent. And I was going to ask like on the side of your account manager, like, are they out of a job now because they have to, they got replaced no, by still, a form. And, okay. He said that he's still answering me. And I was, you know, we're about to migrate. And I was like, literally tomorrow. And I was <laughs> like, and now like, if something, I was like, um, no, I need you like at the ready in case something goes wrong. And he's like, oh yeah, don't worry about it. I'm like, don't worry about it. Like, <laughs> is, is the account manager wearing two hats with Hotel Tonight? Um, They used to be. I don't think he is now. Okay. Um. It used to be that that was the case. Um, and we tried hotel tonight for a while with a couple of our buildings. I don't, maybe only one of them is still up there. That was an inch. You don't get any guest information. So mm -hmm. it was just really difficult to operate um, unless you had a 24 seven front desk. Yeah. You can't do the screening or send. You couldn't uh, even talk. You couldn't even reach out to the guest. No. So you, there was nothing. So you have to have a check-in. You can't do automated keys and everything. Yeah, yeah exactly. Not not helpful for short terminals. Cool. Yeah, well, wasn't helpful for anybody. But another week. Yeah, another, another week. good one. Well, good stuff. <laughs> I don't I, even know I, when to end it. <laughs> I need to do an episode where I don't go on a rant about Airbnb. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> that can't be my shtick. <laughs> Every every time Brandy's on, it's like, all right, what did Airbnb do today? What are we gonna go over? Give the, the best is what they want, Brandy. In the moment, you, in the yeah. moment, just like I'll send you guys voice notes next time about my <laughs> the, just my inner monologue. <laughs> we'll, we'll add it to the the audio side of the episode. Like, and here's news from Brandy. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's good. Well, there's a lot to cover. Um, I was thinking next week. I don't know what we have scheduled. It's kind of again another crazy week but happy monday happy labor day everybody if you watch live thank you for watching live on your day off and if you're listening to the replay 
check out like and subscribe do all the things and we'll see everybody again next week